Uh, we'll be in Acts 27 this morning. Uh, as you probably know, it's a very stormy chapter uh, indeed. We'll see Paul uh, begin his journey toward Rome this morning and uh, all of the various trials that befall him there. Rich, we'll see um, God have his hand upon Paul and all of those with him uh, and Paul's great care to trust in the Lord while at the same time being responsible to do his part along the way. And I think that's something that God would have us to see today. Uh, the Lord is in control and uh, he does his part. Uh, but in the midst of trials, we are nonetheless called to do our part as well. We'll see that this morning. Let's bow our heads and pray, please. Father, we do thank you this morning, uh, Lord, for your words. Thank you for this chapter. Uh, Father, it's a it's great trial, but we can see you at work in the midst of it. And Lord, I thank you that we can see uh, Paul being comforted by that certainty, uh, your control, your presence, and yet taking care uh, to do his part, uh, being responsible, while at the same time he trusts you uh, to be at work. Father, thank you this morning for your words. Thank you for our church. Lord, thank you that Gary uh, was able to drive here today uh, safely. Uh, Lord, we, we marvel at your goodness to your people. Lord, we marvel at your power, your miracle-working power. Lord, we thank you this morning for uh, all that you do in each of our lives. Lord, I love you now. I ask you to help me uh, as we make our way into this chapter and through it, uh, following Paul's journey toward Rome. Uh, help us to see each one of us, Lord, to see the things that you would have us to see, and Lord, to um, be yielded to how you would have us to apply these things practically in our lives today and uh, throughout this week. Lord, work here now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, did you get a map this morning? Did everybody get a map? Okay, so uh, I think we printed just enough of them. Uh, you have on that map, it's actually the big title is Paul's Third Missionary Journey, and we're not looking at that, but rather uh, in the, the little subtitle there, and his journey to Rome, sometimes called the Fourth Missionary Journey. Uh, but if you look at your map and you look down the lower right-hand corner, you see that red line there. That's the line that we'll be following, uh, tracing uh, throughout this chapter as Paul journeys toward Rome. Uh, you'll recall there that we've seen him at Rome and all the difficulties that he experienced at Rome. And then if you follow that up just slightly, uh, up and to the left, north and to the west, uh, there's Caesarea. And of course, we've seen uh, in the last chapter and two, uh, Paul at Caesarea. Uh, and now here in this chapter, we'll see him move out from there up to Tyre and then uh, sailing uh, up and to the left, north and to the west, uh, uh, north of Paphos, uh, Cyprus, uh, the island of Cyprus, traveling west and uh, ultimately down to the south of Crete and the time there at Fair Havens. Uh, we know a church that takes its name from that place and eventually west to Malta and uh, north to Rome. So uh, this just kind of helps us put it on the map and understand uh, where uh, these places are. Uh, let's just jump in now. So we're in Acts chapter 27, uh, verse 1. When it was determined uh, that we should sail into Italy, uh, you recall that Paul has appealed uh, to Caesar, uh, to the leader of the Roman Empire, this would be Nero. Uh, it was determined that, they, yes, sure enough, they should be taken 
uh, Paul should be taken to Italy. Uh, Zach, remind me, please, please uh, who is writing, uh, who is penning down the book of Acts? It's Luke, right? So uh, this is one of those places where you see that Luke evidently is present uh, with Paul. He says, when it was determined that we uh, should sail uh, into or, or toward Italy, uh, Luke is writing, and he says we. Richie includes himself there. Uh, so uh, we, I think, do well to understand that, that Luke is present with Paul at this time. Uh, he, we know that he was allowed to receive uh, friends, visitors, guests uh, in Caesarea. He will be at Rome as well, and uh, at Tyre as well. And evidently, some were allowed to travel with him. And uh, Gary, I, I see the hand of God upon that as well. Uh, here he is. He's, he's a prisoner. He's a Roman citizen, but he's a prisoner. He's being transported to Rome uh, to be tried there, essentially. Uh, and yet he's allowed to have these uh, friends, brothers in the Lord, uh, who no doubt he would minister to, but would be minister to him uh, throughout this difficult journey as well. And you, just, you can see the hand of God upon that. It seems, uh, Zach, unlikely that this would be the case, but uh, this evidently was the Lord's will, and this is, this is what we see here. Uh, so, uh, Luke writes, we should sail into Italy. They delivered Paul and certain other prisoners, one named uh, Julius. Let me try that again. They delivered Paul and certain other prisoners unto uh, one named Julius. He's the centurion of Augustus's band. So he's the, uh, this uh, Roman officer, uh, leader of a hundred, uh, who is going to be responsible uh, for overseeing the prisoners uh, on their voyage. Verse 2 uh, says this, And entering into a ship uh, at Adra Midim, this would be 115 miles, um, well, let's see here, it would be 50 miles uh, east-southeast of Troas. Uh, so uh, we see that here, this, this place. Uh, entered into a ship there, we launched, meaning to sail by the coasts uh, of Asia up to the north there. Uh, Luke continues, one Aristocrus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, uh, being with us. This is interesting also. So Luke gives a hint that he's uh, traveling with Paul at this time. Uh, and then there's this man here, Aristocrus, Aristocrus, uh, a Macedonian of Thessalonica. Zach, uh, Paul spent some time in Thessalonica, right? Uh, looks like he's, he's planted a church there. Uh, there is a man by this name mentioned in Colossians 4, uh, 10. And so, Brother Ray, I think there's in, reason to think this, this is a Christian man uh, uh, of Thessalonica. Bible says here, Luke records that. Uh, would seem to be the case that somewhere along the way here, he's, he's joined the missionary team. Uh, and he also is being permitted to travel with Paul. And I, I look at that, and I, I, I marvel in that as well. I mean, it's not just Luke. It's, uh, it's at least this additional man as well. Uh, and so praise God. Paul, Paul has these brothers in Christ uh, to accompany him, to encourage him. Uh, by the way, do you find any encouragement from each other? Do, do you find encouragement from each other? Do, do you make it your goal to be an encouragement to each other? I know many of you do. Uh, may, you make it your goal to encourage me, and I, I try to make it my goal to encourage you as well. Uh, that matters, right? Uh, it, it makes a big difference, and, and we praise God for that. So uh, this, is, this is a blessing. Uh, you can say, well, Paul's life just filled with trials right now. But sure enough, there's trials, but God has mixed in some blessings in the midst of uh, this trial as well. And uh, 
He's a good God. He's, he's working in the trial, but providing for Paul in the midst of the trial as well. Of course, he does the same for us. Uh, in verse 3, we see they arrive uh, at a port uh, in a place called Sidon. Uh, this will be up to the north, um, just, just to the north of Caesarea there, Tyre and Sidon, places that show up. Uh, throughout the Old Testament. They're, of course, referenced uh, in the ministry of the life of Christ as well, uh, kind of sister cities in the north, just to the west uh, of Damascus. Um, verse 3 says this, The next day we touched or, or landed uh, at Sidon. Uh, and Julius, uh, he's the centurion, the Roman officer, uh, courteously entreated Paul uh, and gave him liberty to go unto his friends, uh, to refresh himself. And there again, Gary, you just have to marvel at that. He's, he is a prisoner. He's being taken to Rome uh, for, for trial, uh, and, and yet he's permitted, uh, as uh, the ship rests here, maybe to take on supplies. We don't know exactly what the reason is, uh, but he's permitted to go uh, and visit friends that, that he would be refreshed by them, encouraged by them, uh, their friendship, their encouragement in the Lord. And so uh, here again, you, you just see God blessing in the midst of trials. Uh, Brother Gary, has God blessed you in the midst of the trial that you've experienced over the past year and, and more than that? He has, hasn't he? Yeah, and of course he does. Uh, he does. Verse 4, they, they depart from Sidon. Uh, we uh, Luke writes, and when we, uh, there he is again, uh, had launched from thence, uh, we sailed under Cyprus uh, because the winds uh, were contrary. Uh, so if you see the island, what's the, it didn't print real um, bold or visible there, but you see the word Cyprus uh, just up uh, to the top and, and left of where it says Paphos there, the, the island of Cyprus, so you see it there. Uh, because the winds were contrary, and when we sailed uh, over the sea of Cilicia and Pamphylia, uh, we came to Myra. So if you look up there um, uh, above uh, Cyprus, uh, to the left there, uh, you see the town of Myra on the coast there. Uh, so it would be uh, to the southeast of Ephesus. Uh, there in Asia Minor. We sailed over the Sea of Cilicia, came to Pamphylia, we came to Myra, uh, a city of Lycia. And there the centurion found a ship of Alexandria uh, sailing into Italy, and he put us therein. So uh, they transfer ships here. This probably was the plan. They would get this far and, and look to connect with a probably a commercial ship that was uh, taking goods uh, to uh, Italy. Uh, he says, Luke records that the centurion there found a ship of Alexandria. Where, where was Alexandria? Do you remember where that would be? Egypt. It would be Egypt, right? Alexandria, of course, city of Egypt today. In fact, if you look down at the bottom of your map, uh, just a little bit to the right of the center, uh, you see uh, Alexandria uh, there on the map. It's kind of small, but you see it down uh, at the very bottom, just to the right of the center. Of course, later, uh, Alexandria, well, pr probably beginning in this time, Alexandria became a place of uh, corruption of scripture. Uh, we know that there was a, a great library at Alexandria. It was a place of learning uh, and uh, knowledge, and there was an interest in scripture there. Of uh, we know that. Uh, we also know it was a place that scripture uh, was corrupted, uh, probably uh, intentionally by those who had a theological or doctrinal agenda 
Uh, and we know some of our uh, modern Bible versions are descended from the corruptions that probably first appeared, or at least some of them, uh, in that place. And so that's just kind of an interesting part of the, the history here. Uh, so that ship would have just sailed kind of straight up, straight north from Alexandria across the Mediterranean, uh, really straight north uh, across uh, to Myra, uh, probably delivering some goods there, maybe picking up some goods there uh, with the intention of continuing on uh, to Italy. Uh, and this is, the, this is the ship they'll continue on. Uh, verse 7 uh, speaks of the uh, arrival at the island of Crete. So if you go kind of down to a little bit and to the left or southwest, uh, you see that island with the, the, the town of Fair Havens, the port there. You can't see it real clearly, but it is labeled Crete uh, just above there. So that, that's Crete kind of there in the center uh, of the Mediterranean. Um, Lost my place, Brother Gary. Uh, verse 7, when we had sailed slowly many days uh, and scarce were come over against uh, Nidus, uh, Nidus, this be southwest Turkey near the island of Rhodes, uh, the wind not suffering us, the wind was contrary. We sailed under Crete uh, over against uh, Salmon or Salmone. Uh, this would be the, the eastern tip of Crete. Verse 8, hardly passing it. Uh, hardly able to pass without sinking is the idea. Uh, they came onto a place which is called the Fair Havens. Uh, the Fair Havens, and, and you see that. Uh, this would be a port, uh, probably a, a, a port that had some protection uh, there in south-central Crete. Uh, they, they came onto a place which is called the Fair Havens. Uh, nigh whereunto was the city of uh, Lacia. Uh, its ruins are still there today, about five miles east of Fair Havens. If you went to Crete, uh, you could see the ruins there. Gary, I, had a, uh, I used to have an Uncle John. He's, he's passed away now, but he was stationed on the island Crete with the U.S. Air Force for some years. And uh, these places, of course, are, are still there. Uh, verse 8. Um, oh, we read that. We read that. Uh, look at verse 9. Uh, Paul recognizes now that, hey, this is, this is a dangerous journey. Uh, they've encountered some difficulties that, that's hinted at in, in verse 8. They were hard, hardly passing it. The idea is hardly passing uh, without sinking. Uh, the winds were contrary. There are various uh, trials and difficulties that they're already encountering here. Uh, and Paul begins to sense that there's a danger in this trip. Well, he could ignore that, just say, well, okay, what, whatever. But he, he decides he'll be responsible. He'll take responsibility uh, to issue a warning. And so, uh, again, we know, Gary, he's trusting the Lord, but also uh, I want to keep bringing out this idea that he takes responsibility to do uh, his part all along the way. Uh, verse 9, now when much time was spent and when sailing uh, was now dangerous because the fast was now already passed, uh, Paul admonished them. We'll see his, his warning in a minute, but just understand verse 9 is giving us some clues here to the season. There would be a, a season uh, where the winds and the currents were favorable to traveling west uh, to Italy. Uh, we see here that the, the season uh, for relatively safer travel is passing now. Uh, it's getting into fall. The fast uh, would no doubt be Yom Kippur or, or the Day of Atonement that we see in Leviticus. Uh, this would be in October, so uh, we're getting into the fall now. And the, the time for uh, the safest, easiest travel is passing. 
and so Paul warned them in verse 10 and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage uh, will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading, uh, the goods that the ship was carrying, uh, and the ship, uh, but also of our lives. And so he gives this warning. Zach, I, I look at that verse and I say, I don't think Paul's being unfaithful here. Uh, he's, he's not, he doesn't seem to be caught up with fear and anxiety and, and worry. He just perceives, hey, we're getting into a dangerous, uh, a relatively more dangerous time of year now, and uh, we ought to be aware of this. We, we ought to be aware of this. Maybe, maybe this should affect uh, how and when we go. Um, Paul's uh, warning is, is not heeded. We know that. Verse 11, nevertheless, uh, the centurion, what's his name? We saw his name. Julius, the centurion, uh, evidently the same one. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and owner of the ship uh, more than those things which were spoken by Paul. Now, I want to just stop there and, and ask you, do, is there a, in verses 10, 11, is, is there a, a principle that, that we might kind of mine out of that or an insight maybe into uh, human nature that we should at least be aware of? Zach, who is Paul? He, he's the man of God, right? Uh, he has wisdom from the Lord. Uh, we know he's been guided by, he's been yielded to the Lord. Uh, he's been earning con pretty consistently blessed by the Lord. Good to have you with us this morning, brother. Uh, Paul gives a warning uh, to Julius, the centurion, almost certainly not a believer. Uh, the master and owner of the ship, almost certainly not, not a believer. Uh, who is the one that the centurion believed uh, here? Did, did he heed a warning from this Christian man who had wisdom from the Lord, or did he look to this uh, almost certainly lost man and, and just rely upon his knowledge and experience? Uh, what did he do? Uh, what did Julius do? Well, it looks like he looked to this lost man. And Gary, I look at that and I say, it's, it, is, it continues to be that way in the world today, doesn't it? Uh, so often people will uh, value the uh, worldly wisdom of a lost person over the biblical godly wisdom of a believer, uh, put much more weight, much more stock in uh, the opinions of the world than in the wisdom of a believer uh, who's bathed in the words of God and who's yielded to the Spirit of God. Uh, I don't think that when we experience that today, that's not a new thing. That's something that probably has always been, uh, and, and we can see that uh, here today. Uh, what's the answer to that, Zach? Um, what, what can you do uh, when you're dealing with someone who just, you know, they, they want to lean on worldly wisdom rather than the, the godly wisdom of a believer? What could you do about that? You can pray. Amen. Uh, you can always pray. You, you can always pray. Lord, help this person to see uh, that there's, there's wisdom here and uh, just something different here. I, I don't mean to say that this owner and master of the ship, the captain of the ship, uh, that his experience was, was valueless. No, he, he has experience, but uh, Paul is a godly man, no doubt, offering uh, godly advice, and, and he's ignored. Uh, look at verse 12, because the haven, this place Fairhaven, it would seem, was not commodious or favorable to winter in, uh, the more part advised to depart thence also, uh, if by any means they might attain to Fenice uh, and there to winter, uh, which is an haven of Crete. So 
uh, they do finally decide, hey, this, this place that we're at is maybe not the place to, to spend the winter, but there's a nearby place uh, where uh, it would be probably safer uh, to be. The uh, Bible says here it lieth to the southwest and, and, and northwest, which is in Haven of Crete and lieth toward the southwest uh, and northwest. And so, Zach, maybe there was some prayer. <laughs> maybe, maybe there was some prayer. And the master and owner of the ship said, yeah, you know what? Uh, there's, there's some wisdom uh, in what you're saying. This, this particular place isn't going to be the best, safest place for us to be. Uh, but there's a nearby place, and, and so maybe there was some prayer. Verse 13 says this, when the wind blew softly, when the south wind blew softly, uh, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, uh, they sailed close by uh, Crete. Now, this is where things start to get really challenging, uh, the storm uh, that they experience. Verse 14 uh, says this, but not long after there arose against it a what? What does it say? What does it say? A tempestuous wind called the what? What does it say? Uh, Eurocliden, Eurocledon, something like that. So uh, I know we've looked at these words before, but let's, let's just uh, be reminded here of the meaning of a couple of words here. Uh, tempestuous, uh, the underlying word is the Greek word uh, tephonikos, our English word uh, typhoon would seem to come from that word. So uh, this, this was not uh, a, a gentle wind. This was a, a tempestuous uh, typhoon-like uh, wind. Uh, it has a name, and uh, there were meteorological terms evidently in use in, in the first century. Uh, and this particular type of wind or storm that they experienced uh, here is called a Eurocliden or Eurocladon. Now, you can look at this word and kind of take it apart. The first part, uh, euro, the Greek word for east, and then klydon is a Latin word for north. Uh, it's nor'easter, Brother Garcia. Uh, we know something about those, right, nor'easter? Anybody who lives in this part of the country knows a little something about uh, a, a word like this. Well, that's exactly what this means, and it's, it's a tempestuous wind, a, a nor'easter, if you will. Evidently, it was a type of storm uh, that was well-known and, and known to be, I mean, it, it was, Rich, it was of enough concern that it had a name, amen? Uh, of course, we're well aware that, uh, was it Hurricane Ida is uh, making its way through the Gulf of Mexico today toward Louisiana uh, and um, New Orleans? Uh, we can keep those folks in prayer throughout the day today. I believe that storm is uh, threatening to hit late afternoon or early evening today as a category three or four, something like that. That's a serious situation, and so we'll, uh, we'll keep those folks in prayer today. Uh, Zach, I'll bet that their encounter with this storm might have prompted some more prayer. I'll, I'll bet there was, there was prayer here. Um, verse 15, when the ship was caught by the storm and could not bear up into the wind, uh, we let her drive. Uh, evidently, the wind was so fierce that they had no choice but just to allow the wind to kind of take the ship and, uh, and move it as it would. They, they could not control uh, the ship in the face of this uh, tempestuous nor nor'easter, uh, so they just let the ship drive it um, as it would. Uh, they, they yielded to the wind because they, they had no other choice. 
Uh, the word drive here, I know we've studied this word before also, uh, but it's the same word uh, that is used in 2 Peter 1.21, translated moved there. Would you, would you just glance over there? Uh, look over at 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 21 for a moment. Flip, flip over there if you would, please. Uh, I'll give you a moment to get there. So uh, in verse 15, we have the wind driving them uh, as it would, kind of just taking control uh, because they had no other choice. It, it was so strong. It was just uh, moving them in whatever direction it chose to, uh, and they really didn't have much choice in that regard given the strength of the wind. Uh, in 2 Peter 1 and verse 21, that word drive uh, is translated move, uh, and this is the word that's used to describe the action of the Holy Spirit uh, in the giving of the words of God. The, the Holy Spirit moved the uh, Bible says in 2 Peter ver chapter 1, verse 21, For prophecy came not in old time uh, by the will of men, but, or instead, holy men of God spake as they were what? Moved uh, or driven uh, by the Holy Ghost. And of course, this is, this is a great proof text uh, regarding the uh, divine inspiration of, of the words of God. The words of God are given to men by the Holy Spirit who, who moved them or drove them uh, to write down these words. Gary, we don't have a perfect understanding of that process. Uh, it would seem to be the Lord used the personality and vocabulary and education of the men uh, that were called to, to pen down the words. But nonetheless, we know it's, it's the Holy Spirit who was orchestrating that process and moving or driving uh, the, these men to, to pen down those words. Uh, Zach, it's interesting, the, the Holy Spirit is in other places um, alluded to as, as uh, sort of like wind, right? Um, I don't know if you can think of another place, but in, in the Old Testament, remember what the Hebrew word is for spirit? Uh, it's ruach, and that, and that word is sometimes used, uh, translated as a breeze or wind or something like that. Um, it's just very interesting. Uh, in any event, it's just it's interesting to see how this word is used uh, in, in two very different contexts. But when you understand the meaning of the word in, uh, in verse 15, our passage today, you, you begin to gain a, a sense of the power uh, employed by the Spirit of God in causing the words of God to be penned down by, by men of God. Gary, I don't think that was a gentle process. Uh, there, there was a real power of God uh, that he employed in getting his words down uh, on paper. It's the power of God that made that, that possible. Let's come back to our passage, verse 16. Uh, the storm pushed them near a small island, uh, verse 16, running under a certain island, uh, which is called uh, Clauda. This is a small island uh, southwest of Crete. Uh, we had much work to come by the boat. Um, we had much work to come uh, by the boat. Uh, this word boat is um, the word, uh, our English word skiff comes from the, the word that underlies boat here. And evidently, this was a lifeboat. It evidently had a, this was a larger boat that they were on, a commercial boat, commercial ship. Uh, they understood the dangers, and so they had a lifeboat or skiff uh, and it looks like there's understanding now that, hey, this, is, this probably or, or may not go very well. Uh, and so they're, they're looking at the skiff, the lifeboat, uh, trying to uh, secure it. 
uh, and, and make it available uh, for use. Verse 17, which when they had taken up, uh, they used helps undergirding the ship uh, in fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands, uh, strike sail or lower the sail uh, and, were, and were driven. Now, uh, Rich, I don't know a lot about sailing. I don't know very much about boats, uh, certainly not much about this particular type of sailing. Uh, in the first century, but it's interesting that Luke records, you know, a lot of detail about how uh, the ships were were steered, how how they were uh, protected, what some of the strategies were for safety. Uh, if you look at verse 17 again, just quickly try to understand some of these things. When they, uh, verse 17, which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding uh, the ships. It, that the helps were probably ropes. It looks like maybe they were trying to get ropes sort of around the ship. Uh, to strengthen it in the midst of that storm. They, they knew well that a storm like this could uh, break up a ship. Uh, these were wooden vessels, of course. And so uh, if they could somehow get ropes around the ship uh, and, and pull them very tight, this would lend strength uh, and some additional protection uh, in a storm like this. this. That would seem to be the idea. Uh, verse 17, fearing uh, lest they should fall into uh, the quicksands. Uh, well, you do a little bit of research. Um, Barnes and, and others have, have looked at this. Uh, evidently, there were two uh, areas. Uh, there, there's known to be areas, e even today, uh, where there were uh, areas of quicksand, uh, sands in, in that immediate area. There were vast ben beds of sand that were driven uh, by the currents of the Mediterranean. They, they would shift around a little bit, but I understand this is, this is still even a thing today. Uh, and so... They, you couldn't always predict exactly where these quicksands were, but they were known to be in this area, kind of sandbars, if you will, that a ship could get caught up on uh, and, and break up on these sandbars. And there's evidently concern that uh, they're going to get uh, forced, blown onto one of these sandbars, the ship will break up on, on one of them. Uh, they lower the sail, they, they strike the sail, uh, they lowered the sail, maybe the, the mast as well, uh, and so were driven. Uh, verse 18 says this, And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, uh, the, the verb tossed with a tempest, it's used only here. Uh, it's not used anywhere else uh, in the New Testament. It's a very strong language. It, it appears only here. Uh, and we being exceedingly uh, tossed uh, with a tempest. Uh, the, the verb tossed with the tempest, it's basically uh, the verbal form, Brother Ray, of a noun. Uh, the noun means foul wet weather or winter. Uh, so this is the idea. Uh, they, they were being uh, exceedingly tossed with foul weather, the, the weather of winter. Uh, they, they were stormed by a storm, and, and, and exceedingly so. Gary, I'm going to say this was probably getting a little scary. Ernie, you think this was probably getting a little scary out there? Uh, you know, we, we get thrown around a little bit by wind in our car, and we, you know, our hearts flutter a little bit. Uh, this is a serious situation. They're in an open ship uh, out there in the open Mediterranean in the midst of one of these great storms. Uh, there might have been temptation to be a little bit afraid. Do you think Paul was afraid? you think Paul was afraid? Could you fault him if he was? I, I'll bet there was a temptation to fear. Zach, I'll bet... I'll bet that there was prayer. <laughs> I'll bet in the midst of this kind of storm, uh, there, there was some praying uh, going on. Um, 
also see that uh, there was some uh, taking of responsibility to do what they could do uh, to make the situation as safe as they possibly could. Um, verse 19 says this, and the third day, the storm went on for a time. Uh, the third day, Luke writes, we cast out with our own hands uh, the tackling of, of the ship. They were throwing stuff overboard uh, to make the, the ship lighter and to keep it as safe uh, as they possibly could. What were they trying to avoid when they're throwing stuff out, Ernie? What were they trying to avoid? They're trying to avoid sinking, right? No doubt they were taking on water. The ship was getting heavier. I saw a little video uh, recently about how the Titanic sank. What a, what a you know, just terrible, un unthinkable tragedy. But uh, as it took on water at the lower levels, uh, it took on millions of gallons of water uh, in, the, in the lower levels. That, the weight of that water just began to pull the ship further and further down until it, it capsized and, and went down uh, bow first, uh, they, they think at least. And so you know, taking on water is serious business. They're lightening the ship to, uh, no doubt, they, they could not cast out the water as fast as it was coming in, and so they, they needed to lighten it. Gary, they were taking responsibility uh, to do what they could do to keep themselves as safe as they could. Rich, does that mean that they, they weren't trusting in the Lord? No, no, I don't think it means that at all. Some would say, well, why, why, weren't they, why doesn't it record that they were praying? Why, why don't we see that? Why, why were they just doing what they could do? I'll, I'll bet, Zach, I can't see this here, but I'll bet they were doing both. They were praying, I'll bet, I'll bet there, there's no implication at all that they're not trusting in the Lord uh, and praying, but in, in the midst of that kind of faith and, and prayer, what the Lord is choosing uh, to reveal here is that they were also taking responsibility to do their part, do what they could do. Uh, pray, Lord, save us. Uh, Lord, save us, but also bail the water and also lighten the ship so they could be as safe uh, as they possibly could. A fear today, there's a temptation sometimes uh, when we're in a very uh, difficult situation to just pray, uh, but not to do what the Lord might lay upon our hearts to do in response to that prayer. Yes, pray. Yes, trust the Lord, uh, but take responsibility to do what you can do uh, in the situation. Part of our prayer, of course, should be, Lord, guide me. Show, show me what to do uh, in this difficulty, and then do it. Take responsibility uh, to do what you can do, uh, hopefully with the Lord's guidance, hopefully having uh, bathed that in prayer, and hopefully responding uh, with the Lord's leading. Well, verse 20 uh, shows the situation getting uh, increasingly more serious. Verse 20, when neither uh, sun nor stars in many days appeared. Why didn't they see the sun or the stars for many days? It was just terrible weather. Yeah, it was cloudy, terrible weather. Uh, when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared uh, and no small tempest lay on us, uh, Luke records this, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. Rich, how do you understand that? Uh, they didn't see the sun or star storm continued for many days. Luke says, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. What do you make of that? What does he, what does he mean? They were losing hope. Yeah, and that, that would be the temptation, right? When a trial goes on for as long as it had, and when it was as stormy, when it was as tempestuous as it was, uh, when it was that intense, you could listen say, well, listen, guys, only a few days, come on. Uh, but it was really intense uh, for a number of days. Uh, yeah, they, they began to lose hope that, that they 
uh, would live. That would be the temptation, of course. Zach, was there, is there always hope? There is always hope. Uh, praise God for that. Uh, look down at verse 21. The Lord evidently knew that they were tempted to lose hope. Uh, he knew that, uh, and so uh, the Lord steps into the equation and encourages them. It's wonderful. Verse 21, after, uh, but after long uh, abstinence, uh, this probably is a reference to uh, food, not having been able to eat uh, for several days. Maybe the food had to be thrown over. After long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them, uh, I suppose it's possible he was fasting, uh, and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me uh, and not have loosed from Crete uh, and to have gained this harm uh, and loss. Paul says, you know, listen, I, 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 I warned you that this would happen. Uh, I, man of God with wisdom from God, I, I warned you. Verse 22, and now I exhort you uh, to be of good cheer. What? Everybody's about to lose hope that they, there's any hope of being saved. They, they, they're not able to eat. They haven't seen the sun or the stars. And uh, Paul says, and now I exhort you to be of good cheer. Well, how's that possible, Mr. Paul? He says this, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, uh, but of the ship. We're going to lose the ship. Uh, and that wouldn't be encouraging. But Paul says, listen, I can assure you that while the, sh the ship is going to be lost, not a single life here is going to be lost. How could he know that, Gary? How could he know that? He knows from the Lord. You know the passage. Uh, verse 23, Paul continues, For there stood by me this night, who? Uh, the angel of God, whose I am. What a wonderful statement. I belong to the Lord. I'm, I'm his. Uh, for there stood by me. How do you know this, Paul? The angel of God, the Lord came to me. By the way, I'm his. And by the way, uh, it's him whom I serve. Uh, I belong to God and I serve him. Okay, Paul, uh, what was the message? Uh, what was the message, Paul? Verse 24 saying, fear not, fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God has given thee all them that sail with thee. Paul says, listen, uh, my God, <laughs> who I belong to and who I serve, uh, came and told me tonight, we're going to lose this ship, but you're all going to be okay. Uh, and he encourages them. Verse 25, he says, wherefore, therefore, sirs, all of you, please be of good cheer. Why? For I believe God. Uh, that's key, isn't it? Uh, Rich, we, we could we have the Bible, all 66 books, uh, all, how many chapters? 1178, I think. Uh, forget how many. We have the entire Bible uh, and, and read the whole thing. But if you don't, if you don't apply some faith, if you, if you don't believe the words of God, you don't take much from that, right? Paul says, listen, I've received God's words uh, and I believe God. He chose uh, to believe the Lord that it shall, middle of verse 25, that it shall be even as it was told me, uh, howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. Uh, we're going to, ship's going to break up. We're going to be uh, shipwrecked uh, on an island for time, but we are going to be okay. Gary, God 
knew that they were getting to a place where they were losing hope. And so God stepped into the occasion with his words, uh, and, and Paul took responsibility to share these words with anyone who would listen and said, listen, I, I, believe, I believe my God. Uh, he's proven himself to be trustworthy to me. I believe. Uh, and so listen, this, this is what's going to happen. He encouraged those who would listen uh, with the words of God. Um, did the Lord's message come true, Zach? Well, we know it, we know it does. We'll see the balance of the chapter, Lord willing, next Sunday morning. But um, praise God this morning. He does allow trials. He does use trials. I was speaking to one of our recent visitors uh, yesterday, uh, and she told me, God used a trial to bring me to your church. And she said, I'll be, I'll be back today. I'll be back Sunday morning. I said, praise God. Uh, trials are just that. They're hard, but God works in them, and we can be thankful for that. No doubt God's working in this trial. Uh, no doubt uh, God knew when his people were tempted to lose hope, and he graciously stepped in uh, with his comfort, his words. Gary Paul had to choose to believe them, but he did, and he had to take responsibility to share them, and he did. Uh, and no doubt the believers aboard that ship, several that we know of, uh, were encouraged, were encouraged. Zach, the words of God provide encouragement to God's people if we'll take responsibility to get into them, to believe them, uh, and to apply them to our situation. That's our responsibility. God's done his part. He's given his words. But it's our responsibility to dig in there uh, and take the encouragement from them. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to be people... Uh, who will be uh, inclined to do that, make that a habit in the face of trials. We better stop there and pray. Father, thank you this morning for this chapter. Uh, it's remarkable. Lord, thank you uh, for uh, the reminder that you have knowledge of our trials. Lord, you don't just know the broad strokes of our trials. You know how our trials affect us in our hearts and our minds. And Lord, you know when we need to be encouraged. Father, I thank you for giving Paul uh, your words to encourage him. Thank you for his example of responsibility to share those words that others might be encouraged. Lord, I pray this morning that you help us to have a right heart about trials, knowing, Lord, that you're accomplishing your good purposes in them. Lord, help us to be reminded that when we're tempted to be discouraged. We need to get into your words to receive encouragement from you. Uh, Lord, thank you for the power of your words. Uh, Lord, they were given uh, with a power stronger than a storm, uh, and they're preserved by a God with power stronger than a storm. Lord, your words are quick. They're alive, and they're powerful. They have power stronger than a storm to comfort and to encourage. Lord, help us to be people of your words that we might receive encouragement in difficult times. And Lord, also be responsible to share your words with others facing difficult times. Father, I love you this morning. I thank you for our church. I thank you for your word. Thank you for saving us this morning. Lord, help us today to be an encouragement to one another. Uh, Lord, to encourage each other with your words. Thank you, Father. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being here for this hour.